0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of BXB
1: Bronx baseballs, the Yankees podcast from Odyssey and WFAN, along with Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy, And our special guest today is the host of the Nick Swisher show. Nick Swisher. Swish, how you doing, man?
2: Yo, talk to me, sweetie. What's happening, baby Keith? What's good, brother?
3: What's up? Good morning. Good
2: morning, fellas, man. Thanks for having me on, man. Talking a little baseball, boys. Let's get this.
3: That's what we're doing. For
1: those who don't know, Nick has a host of his own podcast, and he's kind enough to join us on ours. Uh, You can find the Nick Swisher Show everywhere you get your podcasts. It's old school soul with new school vibes. That's what they wrote, Swish. What does that mean?
2: Yeah, man, listen, bro. I think I'm just trying to show people a little different side of me, right? I think everyone knows me from the -the off-the-wall, hyper-athlete. You know, for myself, I've been trying to tackle topics uh, that most people wouldn't hear athletes talking about. As a matter of fact, yesterday I got to interview uh, one of my good buddies, Frank Grillo, got a new movie coming out, Lamborghini, and we talked about suicide and how to move on from that stuff. So it's a completely different side of me. Uh it's I swear to God, I feel like I'm back in therapy again. It's been the best thing for me. Just being able to talk out some things and hash some things out. Uh and really just try and help at the end of the day. Because you know, Sweeney, when when you have such a huge platform like being a professional athlete, I feel like you can you reach so many people and so easy. Uh so for myself, just doing my best to try and grow that platform back up. Um, and then hopefully one of these days, man, you know, challenge the the Tony Robbins of the world and the Lewis Howes of the world and, you know, become that motivational speaker that I've always wanted to be. But also not necessarily just bringing the steam, but also bringing some substance along with it. And I think
1: that's the one thing I'm really trying to do is learn as much as I can. Keith, you got to check this out. I haven't listened to the shows yet, but I saw he's got an episode with his dad, former big leaguer Steve Swisher. Uh, they talk about the father son stuff. He's got a couple of, you know, uh, what, uh, sports psychologists. He's yeah, like- yeah
2: coming up yeah we got joe madden coming up next episode my buddies benji and joe madden from good charlotte my guy sam parker wrote 212 i mean bro i'm I'm meeting authors bro i'm psychologist bro i got i got a marriage counselor coming in here a child psychologist bro i'm trying to hit every aspect of what people need help with man because i think the last couple years have really beat people down that people know that they can get out of that funk and they can get out of that unstuck territory that they're in and go on to live a, a truly gratifying life, uh, just by putting one foot in front of the other.
3: Awesome. Well, I'm trying to get the tweets out, make sure people know, Hey, Nick Swisher is with us right <laughs> I now. Love
2: it. Thanks baby. Appreciate the love. Uh, thank-
3: <laughs> I said, I'm like, I got to grab some coffee. I had to step out. I was like, let me get the coffee and I can show off my, uh, My free mug that I got, like no one else has it, three feet, 98, 99, 2000 mug. But uh, I needed the coffee this morning to match your energy, Swish.
1: That's real. That's, dude, there isn't enough coffee in the world to match that. I'll let you take another sip, and I'm going to hit you with this one, Swish. You listen, you were part of the playoff run. We saw you waving the flag, you were out there disappointing end to it right got swept up by the Astros who ended up beating the Phillies seems they strike everybody out um what do you see and you're on the inside you you're you're a member of the organization you are a special advisor to the Yankees and to Brian Cashman so as you see how this team got to the playoffs what knocked him out and what is kind of a continuing level of disappointment that they haven't been able to reach since you were on the field in 09 um what do you see it sure I mean anytime you don't win the World Series it's a disappointing year That's exactly what it
2: should be. If you're a New York Yankee, that's where the bar is set. Um, You know, listen, man, I feel like we keep knocking on that door year in and year out, right? Winning divisions, getting ourselves in the playoffs every year. Uh, So I think it's just kind of, if you think about it, you know, we're we're one pitch away, one swing away. Um, You know, I think our bullpen was decimated at the end of the season last year or this past year. Uh, And that's hard, man. It's hard to go in with half your guys. Um, So I think just getting back to the drawing board, obviously, Huge, <laughs> huge thing on the docket, get 9-9 back in right field, right? Get his in right field. We need to make that happen. He's such a huge, um, uh, just a huge piece of this organization uh, from what we do on the field to what we do off the field to the fan base to all that stuff. So, yes, obviously not winning a World Series is disappointing, but I think that's the challenge, right? I think that's the one thing that I've understood is that you got to get stuck in the process of doing things. And yes, I know it's been 13 years. I know we've been talking about that all the time. But if you don't think that people like Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone and Hal Steinbrenner are busting their asses right now to try and put the best product on the field for us year in and year out, I think everybody's mistaken. It's crazy, man. At the end of the season, everybody just starts popping off about (laughs) everything. Right. Which rightfully so. I mean, as a fan, you have the right to do that. But. In my opinion, I think we have the best leaders in the game doing what they're doing. Um, and obviously, you know, to be able to be, you know, somebody that just kind of you know just whispers a little bit in their ear from time to time. Uh, you know, I, I it's such an honor for me to be part of. And you know, Sweeney that NY. I mean, look at the hat I got on, right? Like it's family to me, means the world to me. And and, and at least for myself, try and make it a challenge, right? Like try and figure out the best way to win because. It's not the 162 games that we're struggling with in the regular season. It's winning those 11 games come postseason is what we're struggling with. So, you know, moving forward, listen, I think we have some of the brightest minds in the game. uh, And I think they're going to do the best job of putting the best product out on the field. I just think it's Booney's job, as well as the rest of the coaching staff, to unify those guys and and to bring us home another championship.
3: Swish, how did it come together with you coming out that first game to kick off the postseason oh, with the flag. I mean, I know you love nine-nine. You had the nine-nine jersey on. I'm looking, I'm like, who is that? <laughs> I'm like, yo, that's Swisher. I was definitely one do? of the first to identify you. How did that all come together?
2: Oh, cause by the way, man, I'm gonna get a little hyped up right now because that was by far one of the coolest things. Electric. I- <laughs> and and it's like as awesome as it looked in the pictures. It looked even more awesome being on the field, right? I was standing behind the outfield fence right before it all started. This only happened like two days prior. Because, listen, you got to remember, man, this is kind of something that, you know, I wish would change a little bit more. New York Yankees do a lot of things the same all the time, you know? We don't, we don't break out and try a lot of new things. So when this all came to be, but I think I got the call on like a Monday. I was like, hell yeah, I'll be there, bro, for sure. <laughs> So I'm standing out there behind the right field fence. I flew into NY that morning, got to the ballpark, got to hang out with all the guys, high-fiving everybody I could get my hands on, right? And I'm standing in center field. They drew the flag. All the West Point cadets are coming back out, carrying the flag. I'm high-fiving everybody, you know, trying to just rile the troops. All of a sudden, the lights flick off. And all of a sudden, they start screaming, Go, 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 right? And so like, I'm running out the center field, bro. It's a lot easier running out there in my 20s than it is in my 40s, bro. So I'm like hobbling out there, right? So I finally get to that spot. And when that, that beam of light hit me right in the chest, fellas, for a hot second, dog, I thought I could literally just float up to like the top of the stadium, high five some people, and then float right back down. But I'll never forget that view because I've been on that field for so many games but I've never, ever seen it in that sort of state. Everyone had their camera phones. They had their lights on. It was, you know what it felt like? It felt like
3: I was a musician. Like, man, yeah. hey, coming that out. a Bunny concert. Bro. That's where they got the idea from oh the Bad Bunny God. concert.
2: Unbelievable. And so for myself, I think more than anything, I think I'm just grateful uh, that they asked me to do that because they could have asked anybody else, man. There have been so many people that have come through this organization uh, but for myself to be able to jump in and do that, man. Bro, I would have flown 800 hours to wherever I had to go <laughs> to do that because I'd be damned if I was going to let somebody else do that rather than me. So it was awesome, Keith. I was so blessed that they wanted me to do that. Listen, CC got it all fired up when he came out and threw out the first pitch. The yeah. place went absolutely erupted when he came out of the dugout. And then for myself coming in with the flag and the whole nine was amazing. Mm-hmm. I caught a lot of I caught a lot of shit from my Cle- from my Cleveland fans a little bit saying I didn't right, know, right. wave the flag for the Guardians. Yeah. Guardians didn't ask me to wave the flag. I can
1: promise you that, you know,
2: so. You never want anything I don't to do anything I don't want to the anything. Indians,
3: Guardians.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> That's it, man. I, I think one, I think the I think the thing that maybe lost a little bit of juice is they didn't tell you tell anybody it was you like like he yeah. had to peer in and see that it was you that was missing a little bit but the other thing i'll tell you is they could have asked anybody swish but how many guys are going to be able to do that physically yeah. bro you still got it man you still yeah, waiting? i mean i appreciate world.
2: that you know that's right up my alley man i love pumping the team you know i'm always been trying to be the hype man best hype man in the league and Just being able to still have that NY on my chest, bro, still being part of the family is something that I hold so near and dear to my heart. You know, Sweeney, bro, I'm all over the place all the time, but that's always a place to be able to come home, and it feels like cheers every time you walk in the door.
1: So the thing you touched on, I want, to, I want to ask you about, like the last 11 wins or the hard ones in the last 13 years, right? Your team did that in 2009, but you also had years after that, you know, you didn't make it back. You yourself had some struggles in the postseason to deal with because exactly. it's hard, right? So how, like, what's the difference as you've gotten older and noticed, is there something specific? Is there a difference that gets you those the last 11 wins because you lived doing it and you lived not doing it?
2: Yeah. Uh, the
1: first thing that I
2: would uh, say would be experience, uh, at least for that 09 run, something that I've never been a part of. Obviously, I've been able to be part of the, you know, the playoffs earlier in my career with the, you know, with the A's and then with the White Sox. But when you go in there to game one of the World Series and Cliff Lee just absolutely shoves it down your throat, you're thinking to yourself, what, what's going to happen here? And I think it was so amazing to have guys like Derek Jeter and Jorge Posada and, you know, Andy Pettit, Mariano Rivera. I mean, the list can go on. A-Rod. Like these cats have been there before and there was no stress. And I think that was the best thing for me. I mean, that was one of the things looking back on my career. Obviously, postseason wasn't my wasn't my best time to shine, but that's because I didn't know how to approach it. And if I would have taken more of the Derek Jeter approach, more of the cool, calm and collected, I think I would have been a lot better. But myself, bro, I was off the charts, bro. I was going to like 180 miles an hour. And so I think for myself, being able to have that sort of uh, leadership, those guys in those leadership roles, that was the biggest thing that helped me. You know, when you're going through and you're looking at somebody like, you know, like Anthony Rizzo, I'm like, bro, having a guy like that in your locker room, bro, that guy's been through the war. I mean, not, not really a war, but he's been through the battles, right? Like, he's, he's, he's won, he's lost, he's had successful years, he's had unsuccessful years. So being able to have leaders like that in your locker room, I think those are huge. And I also consider those guys glue guys. Those guys really kind of bring everyone together when shit's hitting the fan. That's the hardest part about baseball, man. Look at our season we just had. We absolutely dominated the first half of the season, mm-hmm. almost historically, and yeah. well, guess what happened in the second half of the season? We were just as bad as we were good in the first half. But what happened was, as I think even in my mind, there's five new coaches on that coaching staff that got a real understanding of what a full season in the big leagues is all about. And I think it's only going to help them moving forward. I think, you know, obviously bringing five new coaches into a coaching staff right before the season starts especially with all the COVID restrictions that we had, that was extremely hard to do. It was hard to build those relationships with the new coaches and the players like we wanted to. But guess what we're doing now? That's the stuff that we're focusing on, because at the end of the day, if you can create an environment where people trust you and that people aren't afraid to fail, that's what you're looking for, man. That's the place to be. It's hard to fail in New York. I've done it. I've been on the back page of the Post plenty of times all over the place. That just comes from the territory. So I think if you want to be in New York, you have to understand that. But I think also too, having that tightness in the locker room is one of the things that I think we can always get better at.
3: Swish, man, you just went right into the question that I want to ask you, right, about New York and the fans. There was a lot of talk after this sweep, after this uh, failed end of the season. It was a good season. But the way that they went out, it sucked. And the fans were loud and the fans booed. And there's talk about uh, players not wanting to play here because of that. But the flip side of it is. On a random Tuesday night in June, the place is upside down for the Yankees. I remember being at a game in 2011, and I sat by the right field pole, and you were in right field, and there was this kid just yelling, Swisher! Swisher! (laughs) Trying to get you to turn around and acknowledge him. You finally did a couple innings in, but you know what it's like standing in right field, the same place Aaron Judge stands. You know what it's like hearing all that stuff from the fans. Can you talk a little bit about... What it's like being a New York Yankee, dealing with the criticism, dealing with the fans, and how much you love being a Yankee because of the fans. Yeah, I do.
2: I love it, man. I, I love everything that comes about being, It comes with being a New York Yankee, the good and the bad. And I think that's what makes it as special as it is. No one cares this much about a lot of other teams. And so when you, this is not a knock on any other organization. All I'm saying is, from my experience, my Yankee universe, our Yankee fans are the best in baseball for good or bad, but you got to remember it's going to come from both sides. If we're winning and we're on top of the mountain, obviously everyone's going to be jazzed up. There's going to be NY hats all over the city. It's going to be on fire. Because when the Yankees are winning, that New York City, bro, is the best city on the planet. But when things aren't going as well, There's a lot more vocal people out there than most places. One of the biggest media markets on planet Earth. And you just have to be able to take that in stride. I don't think it's a personal thing. I just think it's a frustrated thing because they want to win. And that's the thing about Yankee fans. They know the game of baseball. They don't just show up to the games just to watch it because it's fun to watch. No, they study games. They know exactly what's supposed to happen with a runner on second base and nobody out. So when you fail in a situation like that, they know that they have that rightfulness to boo you for not getting the job done. Listen, I'm sure there's a million, billion people that would love to be a New York Yankee. Obviously, there's not a whole lot of people that can do that job. But for everybody out there, man, I mean, come on. Just comes from the territory. So you got to be able to take it on the chin. You got to be able to move on. And at the end of the day, man, know that everybody's in this together. Because I can promise you, every single Yankee fan, they want to win. And I want to win, bro. I'm a Yankee fan. Y'all are Yankee fans, even though we're employed. Right. Still, we want to win. And at the end of the day, that's what this NY stands for. It stands for passion, pride, tradition, championships, all that good stuff, man. So at the end of the day, when we're not bringing those championships home, obviously, fans have a little bit of right to be upset about that.
1: Here's here's the uh, upside of it. Right. I'm going to show that that's. That's from the parade. <laughs> uh, that's that's swishing. Look at that look, lettuce right there, bro. What's swish- going on with
2: that, man? For real, bro. Like, <laughs> bro, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> that's a swish- That's Jerry Harrison Jr. there next. Yeah, Jay Hair, bro. They they put me on a media truck, Keith, which, uh, and they, they said, they asked me which one I wanted to ride in. They told me, like, who's on which trucks and which one I wanted to ride in front of. And they told me it was Swish and Johnny Damon. I'm like, yeah, put me in of that one.
2: You want to be on that one, bro? You want to be on that on the parade, one? yeah,
3: party time.
2: All right, man. <laughs> A-Rod, bro, he had Jay-Z on his float, yeah, dog. Yeah. I mean, that was like, bro, he's um, well, I mean, like, Jay-Z, how you not want to be on that float? You yeah, know what I, I, mean?
1: I, I knew that one was there. I still chose you, okay? I chose you and, and Damon because you and Johnny yes. brought
0: it. And Jay here brought it, too. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Now you got traded to the Yankees um and then you became a free agent after and you went went to Cleveland but listen I know that you didn't get the Aaron Judge treatment necessarily okay but you know what it's like to be a free agent sure. and the money's going to be the money at some point but there are a lot of other things involved Aaron Judge is newly married um you I think had just had a baby when you were moving to Cleveland or right yeah. about to right so yeah, right. Yep. Joe was pregnant for sure. Right. So there are family things involved. The money's the money at some point Swish, but the person has to please his wife, his family, and a lot of other things when you decide to choose where are you going to play out the rest of your career? What are some of the things that Aaron judge is dealing with right now as he has all of that stuff in his mind?
2: Listen, if I was Aaron judge, the biggest thing that I would be asking Hal and cashman is where's this team going? What are we doing in the future? what kind of players are we trying to bring in? What players are we trying to get rid of? I'd like, to, I'd like to have a little bit more of an insight on exactly what this organization is doing. That's what I would be doing if I was Aaron Judge, if I ever had that sort of power. Um, so I think, listen, man, I mean, you can, you can go down every different road you want to. I mean, there's rabbit holes all over the place we can jump into. Every team in the world is gonna give Aaron Judge the same price, right? At the end of the day, he's probably gonna get his seven, eight years, whatever he's looking for, 38, 40 a year, Whatever it is, right? And rightfully so, he deserves that. It's one of the most historic seasons we've seen in decades, right? And not only that, bro, like on the biggest media stage on the planet, bro, this man did it. And everybody appreciates the fact that somebody's banking on themselves. So listen, I think last year he was offered, what, seven for 215 or something like that. I think if you bump that up, maybe give him an eight-year, bro. Bring him over 38, 40 a year, bro. I mean, listen, John Carlos on 326 you know, uh, what's his name's on a three twenty four. you know, Garrett Cole. So it's like, we've got guys, but I think also too, one of the other things I think most people are used to for New York Yankees is being the highest paid team in the game. And we're not at that. And so maybe that could change a little bit too. So there's a lot of great free agents out there as well. Uh, I'm interested to see how this all shakes down. Obviously I have the utmost trust in Brian Cashman, Hal Steinbrenner to get this job done. And I think the better, the quicker, the better, there's a lot of guys out there that, that we still want to go after and being able to, you know, get Judgey done as fast as possible, I think, is the biggest thing we can get done. Because the last thing you want to do is drag this thing out until February. And the next thing you know, you miss out on some couple other free agents if it doesn't work out. So I think for me, if I'm Aaron Judge, I'm asking where this organization is going. Um, I don't think the money's an issue. I mean, come on, you're talking $300 million, bro. I like, do that. That, right. that for life, bro, for real. Him, Sam, she just ran in the uh, the New York Marathon. Man. Congratulations. I think she said a PR, which I think is great, personal record, Man. which is Really proud of her for doing that. I don't know why anyone would ever a, want to run into a marathon because it's just like 20, 26 miles. <laughs> no, <laughs>
1: man, it's a personal challenge. It's out right? of control,
2: bro. Like, you really need to Wouldn't talk be, to your me. Wouldn't be some, me. Some
1: of us can't hit home runs, man. We got to find our own personal challenge. <laughs> hey, bro,
2: My <laughs> knees would explode like mile two, bro. They'd just be like,
1: shut it down. So, <laughs> I saw I, you try to go for the first to third a few times. I know that's a, that's a challenge, okay? <laughs>
2: Yeah, listen, you know, Sweeney, bro, I, I, you know, kind of just to really kind of narrow down that question, I think he's put himself in the driver's seat. And I think he can ask any question he wants right now. Uh, I think that there's no place that he would rather be than New York City. Listen, I've heard a lot of stuff about West Coast and the whole nine about where he's from and this and that, blah, blah, blah. Ain't no place like New York City, man. And he knows that. No one needs to sell Aaron Judge on the New York Yankees. I just think he needs to have a better understanding of exactly where we're going to take this organization and what we're going to do in the future.
3: Swish you're a big spring training guy you're down there every year uh, you get to interact with the fans but you're, you're on the field with the players now I feel like the Yankees are at a crossroads here um, obviously they got to sign judge right you know that's their homegrown guy that's their draft pick that's the guy that they, they've developed like he should be here and I kind of look at him as the guy to lead these young guys into the future now you've been able to be around judge as he's come up from a young guy to a superstar now we have the Oswald Perazas, the Oswaldo Cabreras, the Anthony Volpes, and some other young guys in the mix, even some young arms that we got to see this year and we'll see. Can you speak a little bit about the talent that the Yankees have and what spring training is like bringing those guys together but also having you know some of these veterans like Arizzo Rizzo around them, standing around them? Like, What's that vibe like, and uh, who are you excited to see next year coming up?
2: Keith. All of them, bro. I'm excited. <laughs> All of them, right? I think what's great about what's happening in the game is the shifts going away, which is bringing back a little more of the athleticism, mm-hmm. right? And bringing back the Perazas of the world, right? I mean, come on. The guy got to start the last game of the season for us and did a tremendous job. Listen, I know Volpe's knocking on the door, and he's one of my favorite kids. I, by the way, if you get to spend any time with Anthony Volpe, you'll fall in love with him. I have.
3: Just, you know, <laughs> I Nindo. have
2: right but also too what about what about Cabrera what about OC this year he's here he's there he's every blanket where you know what I mean like he's all
3: over where it. is Oswaldo yeah
2: and oh. so I think for myself for someone like that who wasn't even on our map a couple years ago and now all of a sudden he's starting at left field he's starting in right field he's starting at third base he's starting at short side, like he's all over the place and I think that
1: switch hitters the- stick together Keith if you hadn't noticed
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like you know I, I I appreciate those kids but I also think that moving forward right if you look at our kids in the minor leagues start checking out the stolen base category start checking out the numbers these cats are putting up we're not just power hitters down there we're not just average hitters down there we're bringing a lot of stuff to the game obviously at the big league level it's way different but still, the fact that we are showing people that we can do a lot of different things on the baseball field, I think is absolutely amazing. So I think for myself, listen, you know, I know we got Josh Donaldson, bro, who is an absolute stud at third base. I know. But I can tell you what, man, it's going to be interesting to see this year. There's going to be some battles for a couple different spots this year. And I'm really excited. I think that's one of the things. Over the last couple of years, that we've done on the player development side is we've made everything all about competition. Because if we can get these kids competing at early ages, by the time they get to the Bronx, they're already ready to go. Because there's no bigger platform than being in New York Stadium or, or, or Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. So I think there's a lot of amazing things happening. I haven't even touched on the pitching side of it. Yeah. I just think offensively, man, I'm so excited because at the end of the day, when you're looking at those 11 games, In the postseason, it usually ends up being because we haven't hit as well as we can. It's not the pitching. The pitching has been absolutely fantastic, even with the decimated bullpen that we had. So a lot of great things coming, man. We've had, you know, um, uh, just a lot of growth as an organization, especially at the lower levels. And I'm really, really excited to see them start to push themselves up to the big leagues and start making a mark for themselves.
1: Swisher's title, I think, is special assistant, Keith. But I joke, I think he's special assistant in charge of awesomeness. That's (laughs) That's what he hands out to people. Um, So he's bounced around. Like You're right. For people who don't know or listening, he goes to all you switch. You go to all the minor league sites uh, during the course of the year, side spring training. And you get your eyes on this. But this is the last thing for me I want to ask you about. And uh, I I mean, you've touched on all the different people in the organization. And you you're an interesting case here, because I think people a little bit older than you, uh, maybe of your dad's generation and even young, a little bit younger than that are always kind of looking skeptically at all the different types of analytic people in the organization nowadays. Um, And the players now seem to be at least accepting of what that has to offer. You're kind of the tweener, okay? And you're working with those guys. So is is it possible to have this relationship where it meshes or is it always going to be kind of adversarial the way that maybe your dad and that generation see it? Oh, hell yeah, man. Bro, the information is amazing. I think it's all in how
2: you utilize it, right? I think, you know, the one thing I've noticed as being a mentor and as a sort of coach, I guess my job title is more of a Swiss Army knife. I do a little bit of everything. And so I think for myself, obviously, I've jumped into the mentoring part of it a lot more than anything else because it's been so gratifying to be able to help these young kids start to to accomplish the things that they want to in this world. But listen, man, you know, this this game is hard. The way you talk to a 30-year-old baseball player is different than you talk to an 18-year-old player. Because that 18-year-old kid is brought up around the game differently. He has been brought up metrically. And so at the end of the day, when I can, if I can talk numbers as well as the old school style of baseball, then that's exactly where you need to be. So I think for myself, I mean, look, look at all the, 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 the people that are coming into the game now, right? There's a lot of new managers coming in, you know, whether old school, new school. I mean, look at Dusty Baker, right? Yeah. Congrats to Dusty Baker. Cat's yeah. been around the game for 50 years. Don't think that he don't use analytics. Correct. All in how they use it, right? I think it's just all about finding the the perfect storm of how to give these athletes all this information because sometimes you can give it to be a little bit information overload. And then you get somebody standing in the box and you're like, okay, he's a 62% fastball and a 1 1 count, here we go. And so then you're looking at nothing but fastballs. Now suddenly he flips you a breaking ball and you're frustrated with it. Yeah. But the numbers are just the numbers. The numbers aren't the end-all, be-all. The numbers are just giving you a good runway on how to get yourself prepared to compete that night. So I think for myself, listen, bro, I have a great understanding of how the numbers work. I think that if you don't dig into them and you just look at them on the surface, obviously you have that attitude, oh, these numbers are worthless. They're not helping out or this and that. It's like, it's ridiculous, bro. It's 2022. Open up a computer, bro, and it's so easy to know that <laughs> if I have a di- if I have percentage, of an opportunity to get better in a certain area, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that percentage. <laughs> Only because at the end of the day, it's going to be able to give you an explanation of why I'm making decisions. Because I think the biggest thing, and come off, you, you guys are both in the media, you understand how it's like. The uh, gut move from the coach is long gone. Because <laughs> if right. I say, you, after the game, here in 10, 15 years, if I decide to be a manager or Yeah, there you go. And I say to you, sw- you say, Swish, hey, um, why'd you bring the infield in, you know, in the uh, early in the game? You know, the, the numbers say to keep everybody back. Well, I'm like, oh, because I felt it in my gut. And then you're like, oh, well, I felt it in his gut, right? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, there's nothing to back up your decision. Correct. And so I think that's the biggest thing that people need to understand is that it's not just numbers and they're just throwing them out there. Dude, you should see the meetings that these coaches have to try and get the best information to the players. It's unbelievable, bro. I'm like, Oh my gosh. That's why these coaches are so amazing in the position they are. Cause they know how to disseminate that information in the proper way. So I think for me, I think the information is amazing. I think it's only going to keep getting bigger as the game keeps going because everybody's kind of coming up with all these new stats that no one's ever heard of. Right? Like Woba and things like that. People are like, what is that dude? But at the end of the day, we're just trying to do our best to try and predict what's going to happen in the future. Now, that's the biggest problem is you're not always good at predicting everything. And the one thing that I really need to really kind of emphasize is that the numbers are the numbers. But the one thing the numbers do is they take out the emotion. Yeah. And sports it's emotional. Mm -hmm. And you have to be emotional if you want to be successful. And so I think that's the one thing that sometimes – People overlook these athletes because they think they're robots and they think they're superhuman. And at the end of the day, they're not. They're human beings. That's the one thing that I talk about. It's like, well, what if if so-and-so got in a fight with his wife on the way to the ballpark? And he is just absolutely steaming today. And no one can even get within five feet of him because he is just on a warpath. Well, guess what's going to happen that night? Probably not going to be as successful as he might have been if he didn't have that conversation. But guess what that is, Sweeney? That's life, bro. Yeah, yeah. That's real, real life. And so those sort of things happen. So I think for myself, listen, man, I'm just going to keep learning. I want to keep growing. I want to keep doing my best to try and create culture because I think that's the X factor, right? I think that's the biggest thing that you could have. It's not quantifiable, right? You can't quantify culture, but I think it's something that you have to have if you want to be successful.
3: This guy, I mean, he kills it. It's just automatic. He's coming back
2: this week, right? i'm teddy lasso kid you know what i'm saying
3: (laughs) i believe in you swish i believe hey we gotta let you go i mean you're giving us enough time um plug your stuff let people know what you're up to the podcast motivational speaking where they can find you uh go ahead and let everybody know about that yeah
2: man yeah i biggest thing i got right now going on man is the nick swisher show podcast bro it's been so much fun been able to interview so many amazing people, man. And I think I'm just trying to help the world one person at a time. Uh, obviously, still being a special advisor with the Yankees, bro, is something I hold near and dear to my heart. Obviously, I will never take this NY hat off, bro. This thing is glued on here for sure. So for myself, man, I'm just I'm loving life, bro. My daughters are absolutely just growing like weeds. Emmy's nine, Sailor's six. My wife just finished season three of Sweet Magnolia on Netflix. Wow. Nice. Coming out, I can't tell you when it's coming out, but I can tell you season three is going to be epic. Everybody. So check that out. Could not be proud of her, man. You know, Sweeney bro, Joe is absolutely the greatest thing ever. And I could not be more blessed to have her by my side. So life's been great, man. Anything I can do to help you guys out moving forward, man. I love your guys vibe. I love what you guys are doing. I love the authenticity that you guys are giving the fans. Because when you're and when you're open and honest with fans, they appreciate that shit, man. At least for me. I know I do. I don't want somebody beating around the bush. I want somebody telling me exactly how it is. And that's exactly what you guys do, man. Keep putting out great content, man. Like I can promise you, man. Those numbers are gonna keep
1: skyrocketing, man, for sure. You guys are killing. Our analytics are going to go through the roof, right? That's what we're looking at. But Keith, let me tell you, two thousand nine changed his life because that's you know that's also the year that he met his wife. That's so, right, that's right, bro. That. All aspects, we. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm just moving
2: up since two thousand nine, bro. I've been, I've been moving to the stratosphere.
1: That's it. Uh, listen, we kept you way longer than we promised. So, listen, thank you for all the time, as always. Uh, we'll ask you back again, maybe next year sometime. Okay, we'll let you breathe a little bit, let you recharge, and uh, and bring you all back, bring you back on. Thanks for being fans, and thanks for helping us out. And a lot of great insight. I can't wait for people to listen yep. back to this and really catch it. Uh, Swish, hey, I got we'll a way. We'll see we you got, soon.
2: We got the last couple of days of instruction, me, bro. I got to get down the hogs, bro. I got to go check it out, man. Check out all these yoke pumps.
1: Go do it. Call us back with a report later. All right, man. You <laughs> got it, fellas. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, Keith. All thanks, right. Swish. All right, Swish. That's uh, Nick Swisher. Uh, he brings it, man. That is, uh, and that's, and he had a lot of really great insight. A lot of a lot of great insight into kind of the things we've been talking about, Keith, since the season ended about how the team approaches things, how they're really taking it internally. Like, do they really feel it? Are they really pushing? But he also touched on the idea of if I'm Aaron Judge, I want to know how much farther you're going to go. That's a, that was a little interesting, little tidbit too.
3: Yeah, he knows. And uh, I'm sure he knows more than he can actually let off. And being on the inside is just obviously a different vantage point. And, you know, he was great. He brings it. Energy is so important in everything you do. And uh, he's an energy guy. Every time I've ever seen him, ever laid eyes on him, he was happy, excited to be doing what he's doing. And uh, there's not too many guys like Nick Swisher. That was a, a great get, Sweeney. Good job. (laughs)
1: This is a good man. Um, I've known him since 2009, and uh, he's always been helpful in all these things. And we'll have him back again for sure.